2: Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
3: Well, as my mother always used to say to me, Howard, if you haven't got anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. (laughs) So let me just say this
4: You didn't take any notice of your mother ever.
0: Everybody welcome to another episode of The Bake Down podcast. My name is Sarah, I'll be hosting today, and with me as ever we have the lovely Jane Beadle, Dan Beasley Harling and Howard Middleton. And today we will be discussing Pastry Week. Now, before we get started, I wanted to say a huge thank you for all of you who turned up for Jane's spooky Halloween chocolate and orange ganache tart spider's web webinar so thank you for all of you who showed up it was a fantastic success and we are hoping to have another webinar very soon so keep your ears peeled for that information but we also have so many new Christmas classes coming up it's November we can now talk about the Christmas season properly we have plenty of brand new classes we have Howard's Mont Blanc tartlets we have Jane's Sausage Wreath with Chipotle Mayonnaise we also have Rosie's Snow Globe cupcakes as well as Jane's new fig and orange patterned roulade sponge and Dan's amazing caca stacking biscuits. So whatever you're in the mood for this Christmas, head on over to bakewithalegend.com, have a look at all our new classes. We also have some back by popular demand favourites. Yes, we do have a Bouches de Noel class back. It wouldn't be Christmas at Bake with a Legend without one. And make sure to use the code podcast to get 10% off your next booking. So it was pastry week in the tent as we are down to five remaining bakers and they had to make for us sweet signature vol-au-vent, deep fried spring rolls and a 3D storybook pie scene inspired by a nursery rhyme. So, Jane, let's kick straight off with you. What did you think of pastry week?
4: I think it wasn't their finest hour, don't you? Um, I wasn't mad about the challenges. I certainly didn't like the showstopper particularly I just thought it was all a bit of a a mess. Um, And I thought "Mm, some of them are really struggling. And to be kind, I know that by the time you get to this stage, what are we? What week are we? Week eight. By the time you get to this stage in the competition, everybody's shattered. Um, the whole process of putting your recipes together right at the very beginning you you certainly feel very tired by the time you're preparing these recipes and feel that you don't necessarily you won't necessarily get to week eight and they're breathing down your neck for you to submit these recipes it just had the feel that everybody had run out of steam um, to be kind to everybody because I I don't think It was a shining example of a good bake-off episode.
0: Dan, um, you went out in Pastry Week, so you understand what it's like to fizzle out under the pressure of Pastry Week. So did you feel the same?
4: Okay,
3: so let me begin with a significant throat clearing. I went home in pastry week uh that, that was my sort of breakdown week where everything went wrong I produced a completely inedible uh signature I came almost last in the technical and produced by far the worst showstopper it looked awful it was technically awful so I'm not here to you know criticize and and be extra mean about pastry with people I'm I'm no better than these guys are but I have to say as an overall episode I thought it was incredibly disappointing and I think Pastry week, we, we often get a shock elimination on pastry week. I mean, look at the week I went home. But, um, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's something that trips a lot of people up. And I think Jane's absolutely right. It's a combination of um, it being so late in the competition where maybe people haven't had as much time to prepare their recipes and not so well prepared. And the fact that it's pastry week and it's quite difficult anyway. I didn't love it. I don't want to say anything too mean, but I did not love it. And I don't think that this episode will go down as one of Bake Off's finest, uh, to put it lightly.
0: Howard, did you think the challenges that the bakers were set, did you think the challenges helped them out or did you think they hindered them?
5: I I don't think the challenges were particularly bad challenges. I think for me, one of the big problems has been how late they put pastry within the schedule. So I think the fact that we've done things like Halloween week and Mexican week and and so on, I think pastry is a really, really basic baking skill. And there are lots and lots of different types of pastry. And apart from, I think the lemon meringue pie is the technical in week five. That's the only pastry that we've actually had in the tent so far. And I think we needed to have people's pastry skills tested earlier on in the process.
4: Good point, Howard, really good point. So let's start off
0: with our signature. The bakers were asked to make 12 sweet volvents with a rough puff pastry and a sweet filling. They had two hours and again, trying not to be too unkind. Um, possibly not the most exciting fillings that we've ever seen. Um, I believe Shabira's were the most interesting, with a pecan praline at the bottom for a lot of um, a bit of crunch. And Yanosh with his strawberries and cream. Again, he sort of failed with his creme pat again after we saw in custard week. So. Not so great across the board. Dan, who's really stood out for you? Okay, so
3: first of all, I mean, has anyone ever eaten a sweet volivant? Because I have not. No. <laughs> no, I haven't either. It is just puff pastry, so there's no reason it can't work, but it's just I've never had a sweet volivant. And um, do you know what you want in there? Is you want a bit of egg mayonnaise or, you know, a, a little bit of prawn or something, or a bit of coronation chicken. You don't want I don't know. I just just don't want that. But I got very confused about Janusz here. Okay, so when you make a um, creme pate that is very heavily set, all you do is you whisk it up and you fold through some whipped cream and it lightens it up a lot. And Max even said to him, fold some whipped cream through it. And then he just whipped cream. And I'm like, I don't know. But like there's simple and then there's... Oh, I chopped up some strawberries and whipped up some cream. And you just kind of think, like, literally, my seven-year-old could have done that. Oh, Janusz, you've gone from being my favourite to making me really sad. You're still my, one of my favourites, but you just made me sad today. It was uh, it was not great. And then poor old Maxie had a disaster as well. I don't know what she was thinking trying to do squares. I think that's one of those things that seems like a fantastic idea. Um, but I think she was struggling with more than the shape seemed to take forever um to bake i don't quite know what was going on there she probably chose the wrong oven temperature um i whacked mine up really high and get my puff pastry rising and and baked fast who stood out to me unfortunately not really anybody's i mean shibira sounded nice but i think in the nicest possible way it was a bit of the best of a bad bunch wasn't it it wasn't particularly spectacular it was more just you know there were only a couple of people who actually turned out decent looking volovans. it was uh it, w- it was slim pickings, wouldn't you say, Howard?
5: I, th- I think you're right. I think it's difficult, isn't it? I, I totally agree with, with you, Dan, that savory fillings would have been nicer. Um, I think when we get on to the technical, Paul said to Pooh, oh, it's nice to have something savoury for a change. And I thought, well, you had the choice. You could have had some savoury volavons before this. But uh, <laughs> okay. but yeah, I'd, I'd wondered whether there'd be some kind of gas leak or something. That People just seemed to be... Wandering around in a bit of a daze as if basic decisions that you need to make about stuff somehow seemed quite difficult for them. More of a challenge than I would have expected. So, yeah, disappointing. But Shabira sounded quite nice.
0: They did. They sounded really lovely. I mean, she had her orange mandarin cream cheese, um, some orange liqueur, pecan praline and even some clove and cardamom in there as well. Paul seemed to like the look of them. And Prue said they were delicious but a little underbaked So a pretty good start for Shabira there Sandro was really, really going for the handshake He is not going to let this go uh, He went for a key lime pie inspired volavon Despite his limes not being from the Florida Keys And he even put a ginger biscuit in there To really change up the flavours and textures, I guess, of a volavon Jane, who stood out for you? Well, as far as
4: pastry, chibiras uh, they looked pretty perfect, didn't they? I thought, pastry-wise, but apart from making a praline, which hadn't melted in the bottom because you put something wet near a caramel and it will melt, but Paul seemed to like it. But I thought her pastry looked fab. What I did think was interesting is when we used to make volovans back in the 70s, <laughs> yes, dear listener, I am that old, you just scored the top. And then you poked out who did that? I think Abdul did it. You you then lifted out the centre and had your little hat that you put back on top of your prawn filling or whatever it was or something something ghastly that my father could concocted because he was a bit like that. And I thought it was a great idea to stamp out the whole thing and then stack it because it gave you much more of a chance to get the inside of your pastry cooked. Um, I I thought it was a good idea, actually. I might give that a go. Not that I make volivans these days, to be honest. They're very, very 70s, as I think somebody said right at the start. But but actually nobody's, apart from Sabira's pastry, which I thought looked nice, nobody stood out. Um, Like Dan, I was horribly disappointed with Janusz going, well, I know they said it was boring, but strawberries and cream, classic combination. Yeah, but that's not what we do a bake off is it? Sandro's key lime sounded quite nice filling, but I was really disappointed. And poor old Paul actually mentioned it twice. He wanted baking Nirvana. He said it once here and then once later on in the episode. And I thought, oh, they're all getting tired. I've written Paul stupid question here. Um, To Maxie, do you want to be in the semi final? Well, I mean, they're... (laughs) No, Paul, I don't. That's why I've turned out an absolutely shockingly bad bake. Um, you know what a ridiculous thing to say. I think they're all getting tired and short of things to say or do. It didn't inspire me to go and make volivons, I must admit, and I like to be a little bit inspired, and this didn't. Can
5: I just say on a light, on a light? No, how much I loved. And Matt Lucas's flaky pastry at the beginning. <laughs>
0: His little talking flaky pastry.
5: They won't give him a lift to the airport. Yeah. I loved that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was lovely. A really good way to to lighten the episode. Well, let's talk a little bit about the... It is Pastry Week, so let's talk about the pastry. Um, Maxi said she was going to use strong bread flour and room temperature butter. Why does anybody know why she would use room temperature over cold or frozen butter? It seems to be the norm.
5: I can, I can understand using strong bread flour. I I I sometimes use bread flour in in puff pastry because it does, uh, you know, just give you a crisper, um, stronger structure. But room temperature butter, I don't get that at all
3: no i think so the room temperature butter i'm imagine what she was going for was that the butter would be more malleable so maybe she could get more folds in before she gets get a fold or two in before she put it in the fridge originally but i think that's one of those ideas that maybe just sounds good in your head and doesn't work in reality you know when working with pastry no it's always cold butter and always ice cold water to bind it together um to help it get cold and 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 stay cold um so yeah no i didn't really understand that i think that probably just made sense in the head maybe she read something on pinterest and uh, thought it was a good idea i don't
4: know i think it might have worked had she had five or six hours because then you could really chill it down between the folds i i don't know but what bothered me was that paul said how many folds are you doing and she said well three and then she went double folds well we tend to fold it each time, so it goes one. Maybe she meant one fold and then over the other, so you end up with three layers of pastry as opposed to. I don't know. I didn't quite. I don't. I didn't get the feeling that she knew what the folding technique was, but that could have just been startled rabbits in the headlights when Paul's grilling her about pastry.
3: I think you might be right, actually,
4: because we tend to talk
3: about when we make fold laminate dough. We tend to talk about. Um, Letter fold and book fold. That's how I refer to yes. it. Isn't that how you refer yes, to it? Yes, letter
4: fold and book fold.
3: Yeah, so yeah, you're right. She did, definitely didn't have the terminology down. And whilst, you know, we might say English isn't her first language, she sounds pretty English to me. I'm pretty sure she's got a good mastery of the language. I don't think she's tripping up to find words. So maybe you're right. Maybe she didn't know. Yeah, maybe.
4: I don't know. I mean, we, we all say things, stupid things in the tent. L- Lord knows I, I said enough stupid things in the tent. So um, it just didn't get the feeling that Pastry Week... Was everybody's week, did you? Uh, they probably don't make much pastry at home, which is a shame. Homemade pastry is the most delicious thing, I think. But there we go. Now, this
3: is something that Howard said before the class. And I'm not saying anything I shouldn't, Howard, so don't worry. But I think a lot of the bakers are very good at things like cake and then maybe pastry is one of their sort of lesser less well um, honed skills so maybe we're just seeing general gaps in in the baker's knowledge you know pastry isn't particularly inspiring for instagram cakes and biscuits are a little bit more so so maybe it was just skills that they just weren't quite so well developed
5: we've picked up on this in in previous weeks haven't we about how we've seen a lot of skill in terms of like the drip cakes and we've seen skill in terms of the buttercream roses and things like that and to be honest that That's partly the programme that has set challenges where cake has featured an awful lot. We've done a lot of cake-based stuff. To be fair, you need to give the bakers the opportunity to show other aspects, to to show other skills, really. And if the challenges aren't allowing them to do that, that's why when you get to a week where pastry is the kind of star of the show, it it may, you know, some people struggle.
0: Now, something else that we don't see is we don't see everything that happens in the tent. Obviously, the program is edited. As we've discussed in classes, you guys seem to get have the sense that the classes aren't heavily edited in so much that we do see the truth, but we don't see everything so do you think that is another element to this as well do you think that it's been edited so it's a bit like oh what's going to happen here and we're sort of watching this car crash tv when actually we want to hear more about the pastry
3: i don't know so i'm just blinded by my own disappointment to be honest i think that you know sometimes in the tent there are moments that we uh wish were included that weren't but we understand there's no time pressure i i doubt there were any sparkling moments that we didn't see I doubt. I don't think they held anything good back. I think what we saw was as good as it got. It would be nice to have some explanations about pastry that would give you know the public a bit of an idea about how to do it. But as we discovered, I don't know if it was this challenge or the showstopper, Sandro didn't even know what pastry he was making, so him giving an explanation probably wasn't going to help anyone, was it?
5: We've seen in, in past challenges, and certainly uh, this week, where people are using the freezer quite a lot to chill things down quite quickly. I noticed Janusz takes these freshly baked volovans out, out of the oven and then proceeds to put them in the freezer to cool down, which I would have thought is really going to soften that, that pastry. You know, you really need that to be cooling down at, at room temperature in order to get rid of the, uh, the steam that's in there.
3: Also, puff cools very quickly. It's not that, you know, it's when I make... um. Milfoy, like, they're cool in five minutes, like, literally ready to be have um, creme pad piped on them within five minutes. I don't think they needed putting in the freezer, so I don't think it would have helped them, and if anything, as you say, probably might have hindered them.
0: We saw a lot of um, the cutting out of Volivar. Obviously, Maxie did hers square. Somebody, others did theirs round. When you cut out shapes from puff pastry, is it like scones where you just have to cut them straight down? And you don't wiggle the cutter. Does that have anything to do with the rise of the of the pastry? Oh, do you know?
4: I was, I was thinking just that this morning when I was cleaning my teeth. And I <laughs> thought, <laughs> so, as you do. What a life you have, Jane. As you, I know. I need to get out more. I really do. And I, I did wonder that. And I've never noticed that it rises unevenly if you cut it out. But I don't think I twist my cutter when I... Cut things out of puff pastry, but it, it's scone and not scone, by the way. So, I'd just like you, to... oh. thank
5: you, <laughs> thank We're not you. having
4: this argument again. No, <laughs>
5: yeah, we're, we're, we're equally divided. It's scone for me, too.
4: It's so. <laughs> gone. Uh, thank you, Howard. It's gone. It's gone. Uh, yeah, that joke scone. wouldn't work if it was scone, would it? Yeah. How do you turn a drink into a cake? Somebody picks it up, drinks it, and go, goes, scone. <laughs> that was a terrible joke doesn't really work like i'm sorry everybody um but there we go uh, so the answer is i don't know i've never tried it but you don't need to twist it uh, i think no. i think when you're cutting out you just stamp no. it out so i don't think that was i don't think that was the problem actually
3: also i th- i'm just in the habit of like when when you uh, push down a cutter you sh- like even if it's a round cutter you can just shake it up and down and from side to side you don't need to twist it um and it's a good habit to get into because obviously when you 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 can you use that technique to cut any dough, so there shouldn't really be any twisting going on ever. I don't think.
0: Well, we've talked about everybody's bakes apart from Abdul, as poor Abdul often gets uh, overlooked. I think in some of in some of our podcasts, so we do apologise, Abdul, if you're listening. He did some chocolate dipped volovans with strawberries, um, a berry compote, and a coconut creme pat. Paul said it was not even a quarter of the height I'd expect them to be because um, he did have some butter leakage there. Prue said there were too many flavours that you can't identify any of them. What do we think about Abdul's chances of
4: reaching the final?
3: Increasing, in our Well, <laughs> as good as anyone.
4: yeah. <laughs> I thought it was really mean of Prue to say, so don't want to spook you. But you are the only one not to have had a star baker, and I thought that's a really mean way of starting an episode, isn't it? Poor thing, just in the tent. Let's just point out that you are the worst one here so far. I just, which obviously, (laughs) well, I mean, you could read it like that, couldn't you? I don't think Abdul is the worst one there, but I thought that was. I thought that was mean. And then actually, you know, she was being ruthless, need everything to be perfect. Poor Abdul, no pressure there. I felt very sorry for him.
3: Do you know, though, sometimes I think if there's a conversation that's going on in the tent, the judges will bring it up. So, for example, maybe before they started airing, everyone had been you know, Abdul had been joking about the fact that he was the only one who hadn't won a Star Baker or something, so maybe that's why it was in the air I don't think Prue Pru is quite so cruel as to just wander up to people who are not doing <laughs> no, the best she... like, hey, did you know you're the worst? It's <laughs> like <laughs> 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 seems a little unkind um, but yeah, horrible feedback for Abdul, I've got very flat and pale bone dry, it's almost like a sheet with bits on the top uh, too many flavours, it's a bit murky can we think of something nice to say? And I thought, well apparently not, Prue. Wow. Poor Abdul, he's not racing into first place, is he? But as um as Howard said, seems to have as much chance as anyone else as leaving. And I don't want to jump ahead to the result um just yet, but it was a it was a, a shocking one and just goes to show that, you know, this stage in the competition, it's uh, nothing is certain.
0: Absolutely not. I think they should have done twelve, um, six sweet and sweet six savoury volivant. I think that would have been better with different flavours, have people
4: coming up with different things. So there we go. I think I agree. I, I absolutely agree. I mean, how, how many different things can you stick in a sweet vol-au-vent? I think it's custard cream and a bit of curd, isn't it, really? I think it would have challenged them and made it much more inspiring had they had decent flavours. But it was still... I don't think that would have improved their pastry skills, to be honest. Enough. And can I say,
3: actually... We've moaned quite a lot about challenges not being appropriate, uh, or the most appropriate for the weeks that they're in. It was actually a very good pastry week challenge. It's the kind of challenge that on paper I thought was great, make, you know, a sort of a puff pastry and cut it out and bake it well. Um, it's just a shame that um nobody really rose to the challenge. That pun was not intended and yeah. <laughs> it worked.
4: But it was a good yeah. one. Did
3: it work? Okay, excellent. We'll yeah. leave that one in.
4: Yeah. do you want a bit of technical information on puff pastry and why it rises because there's no raising agent in there is there? i know but go on jane tell us well you'll probably tell me i'm wrong then dan <laughs> okay, no, go on you say you say oh you just want me to fall flat on my face don't you kind of the idea is you're trapping air and moisture in between your layers and as it heats The moisture does whatever it does and it expands the pastry. So it's the moisture you're trapping between the layers that the heat then makes expand and puffs your layers up. And of course, the butter then stops the layers sticking together and can rise. So there's the moisture in the butter expands. That's it, isn't it, Dan?
3: It is correct, Jane. And just for a a fun fact in the UK and instead of UK and French butter, uh, Butter has a surprisingly high water content. It's about 18% um, water. So actually, although we think of it as just being a big lump of fat, it's, there's quite a lot of moisture in there, and Jane's right, it's the moisture expanding is causing the rise, and of course, because you've got your fat separating your pastry sheets, they they stay apart, they don't stick back together. So no, Jane, you were right. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to pick you up on that, but um, yeah, maybe next. <laughs> time.
4: I'll, I'll trip you up again <laughs> in the future, maybe. Oh, uh, you're you're so much better on the science behind these things. So um, I'm 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 pleased and proud <laughs> that I got top of the class this morning from Teacher Dan. <laughs>
5: Can I just ask as well? Was there did did anybody think there was any benefit in in Sandro covering each of his layers of pastry with with sugar? I, I know sometimes we we shake a bit of icing sugar on on top of of sweet puff pastry in order to to get a bit of caramelization, but I couldn't see that that actually putting sugar in between each layer was going to do very much.
3: I couldn't see the functional benefit. And if anything, I thought it might cause it to, you know, if it sort of turns into a syrup in the oven, it might cause it to um, become misshapen. So I didn't think there was any benefit to doing that. I'm I'm happy to be uh, proven wrong, but I know I didn't think that was a good idea. Well, I'm so negative today. I'm so sorry. I'm just sounding hypercritical. Maybe I need more
4: coffee. (laughs) I'm not sure that will help.
0: Well, while Dan gets, goes to get some more coffee, we shall move on to the technical. Now, this pastry week, they want the judges wanted the bakers to do eight deep fried spring rolls with a dipping sauce. Possibly one of the shortest challenges, um, I remember, of an hour and 20 minutes. The judges wanted some bubbles in the dough but not too big bubbles Uh, and the bubbles in the pastry were coming from the water in the dough but of course they were not told how much water to put in. So Jane this is going to be something that you're going to be doing with us for your pastry week class, some lovely spring rolls. So can you talk us through what you'd be looking for in a spring roll?
4: A good thin crispy pastry and a delicious filling, because what you don't want is you don't want to just be eating pastry with very little filling, because the whole idea is having yummy filling, isn't it? I must admit that when you do come to the class, we might get the odd air bubble. And I thought it was very funny in this challenge that when Paul and Prue are sitting around the table and Paul says, "Oh, why have you chosen this?" Or you, your challenge, Paul, or Prue, um, or whatever she is. They say, um, "Well, the idea is not to have any air bubbles in the pastry." And the plate of ones that have been prepared to show us what the perfect ones should look like all had air bubbles in them. <laughs> not, not huge, not massive, but they all had air bubbles. A bit like when we make cannoli, where we we're, we're aiming for the pastry to blister a little bit when we're frying it so that made me laugh that it's obviously really hard to get your pastry dead smooth Um, but it's an interesting one because although we're making you do make your pastry and you roll it out as thin as you can and you will notice them just cooking stacked well they only stacked two but stacked uh, rolled out bits of pastry in a pan to almost cure the you're not cooking them you don't want it to be Crispy or anything like that, or browned, but you just cook them in the pan just to, I'm assuming, cure them and make them that little bit more stable, and then you can cut them and roll them and do whatever. So it's quite an interesting little challenge. It's the hardest thing is going to be getting that pastry as thin as you want it because no matter how thin you get it, I think you can, you think that you. Or to, at the end, once you baked it or fried it, um, make it as thin as you can. But it's very similar to making samosas. I did a samosa class recently, but you wanted that bit thinner than even the samosas. So yeah, it, I think it I think it was an interesting challenge. And we always have to have a bit of fried pastry knocking about somewhere. And I, I think it could have been good. I think it, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more reason why you're frying off the the dough because I don't think anybody will have ever seen that before um, unless you've made spring rolls at home before so yeah an interesting challenge I think for people and one that you could do at home and would inspire people to do at home because very often the spring rolls that you buy in the supermarket are a bit bland and you can make them as yummy as you like.
3: I agree. I thought it was actually a really good challenge. It was a nice uh, step up from um, the signature. I thought it was uh, showed off some pastry skills that I don't remember seeing in the tent before. I mean, it was a very short challenge, uh, one hour and 20 minutes. I think the only shorter one that I remember is from my season. I remember my season a lot better than the others for some reason. But we had one hour and 15 to make naan breads and this this seemed like a bit more work than naan breads. So, um, Or naan, rather. Sorry, all the Indians got upset with us. Naan means bread, so it's just naan, not naan bread. There were a lot of ingredients going into the filling of these spring rolls, so I thought it actually wasn't a lot of time to get that balance right. And we saw, obviously, some people just chucking in all the mushrooms at once. (laughs) Shabira, I thought, felt I felt, despite the fact that she didn't, she wasn't at the top of the table. I think Shabira had a bit of a wry smile uh, when she started, so I think Shabira knew what to expect. Um, She knew that you know the mushroom could overpower it. So um, I would have liked to have seen Shabir a little higher in the table, maybe, for at least getting those flavours right. But the highlight of this challenge was definitely watching um, several people try to pronounce mange too. (laughs) 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 Um, (laughs)
4: Yes, it was hilarious.
3: I don't I don't think they're that exotic, are they? But yeah, was it Sandra's like mangy (laughs) food?
5: Was it Sandro who said I don't eat this kind of food?
4: (laughs) What green and vegetable
3: (laughs) Yeah, he eats chicken, steak and eggs. I think that's pretty much it, isn't it? You can tell. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And, and his Cheat Day Burgers. Let's not forget the Cheat Day oh, Burgers. Oh, yes,
3: yes. And Tinned
5: Custard. Tinned Custard. Tin yeah. custard
0: yeah. And <laughs> Tinned Custard. Ice cream, bad ice cream. Sandro, what a life you lead, mate. <laughs> yes, bubbles and fillings were something that were talked about a lot in the tent. Sandro did pretty well, obviously, coming first. Janusz then was second with only having seven. And he said he fried eight and only seven made it onto the onto the plate. I went back and had a look. He definitely only fried seven. <laughs> so I don't know what happened there.
3: That's curious to me. And I'll tell you why. Okay. So I feel like often when we see a, someone make a mistake in terms of numbers or construction or something, like I remember Karen in my week, we made mamoul and Karen put the wrong filling in the wrong shape. And she was just dead last for that immediately. They put, you know, right at the bottom because she put, and and I like when you are asked and I feel like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like in the past, if you delivered less than the optimum number, you were kind of instantly down the bottom end of the field. And And the fact that he was second, like that, I don't know. I didn't feel like, I want to chuck Yano Shabone as much as anyone else because I like him. And, you know, he did stumble in, in the first round, but, Second, I don't know, what do you think about that?
5: I hadn't gone back and sort of checked whether he had actually fried uh eight or not, so clearly when he's bringing them up to the uh to the front, he's only got seven then, and I don't know whether they gave him the benefit of the doubt and thought that the crew member maybe had pinched one, but they wouldn't do it would no, they? no.
4: Of course they wouldn't.
0: I would just like to say on that, he said he kept saying throughout the challenge as they were rolling and cutting, he kept saying, like, this is too much maths, maths isn't my thing. So I think he just genuinely made a mistake yeah. there. But he is he's so confident with the lies. Like with the, <laughs> in the nicest what? possible way, like with the creme pat at the beginning. They said, How did the creme pat go? And he's like, What creme pat? Yeah. I didn't make a creme pat. <laughs> was just so confident with it. He was like, Well, I made eight. I don't know where the eight went. <laughs> the, Maybe maybe his mind powers are, are pushing him off the table.
4: <laughs> <laughs> but I know in my year in, was it Pastry Week? Val didn't get, did Val go out Pastry Week? No, which week did she go? Anyway, whichever week, I don't, I don't have any memory of my series at all. Week um, she did because she really wanted to get to week six, bless her, because she had a lovely cake to make. She didn't get everything out for the showstopper, I think. And Paul turned around and said to another member of the baking, uh, the bakers, uh, you were really lucky because if Val had got all hers on the table, you would have been going home. So Val hadn't got it all out and that was the reason she went home. So I was really shocked that Janusz didn't go down to the bottom immediately. And I know when I went back for the Christmas special... We were taking these very fancy Scandinavian uh, things, snowflakey things, up to the front, and one of mine fell off its stand and ended up in this crushed mess on the floor and it was only because everybody watched this thing hit the floor that I got away with that, because otherwise I would have had one less than I should have done. So, yeah, I don't think that was very fair of them to put him up at second because of it. Who knows what their thinking is really sometimes, but on a lighter note, we were laughing at the beginning because when Maxie said, oh, she said, it says rest the pastry. What does that mean? How are we going to rest the pastry? And then she just stuck a bowl over the top of it, which I have to say... I love the putting the bowl over it rather than wrapping it in cling film, guys. That's a very good way of keeping the air out. But surely you understand the term rest the dough, don't you? Um, so, I mean, there were lots of laughs in this, but not necessarily in a good way, I don't think.
3: Yeah, there's. I have to say there's certain things as having a gap in your knowledge, which we all understand. But when she didn't understand what was meant by rest the pastry, I was like, oh, come on, love. That's not, you know... <laughs> How could you not know that one? But yeah, it's. Uh, I think the results were, were largely fair, apart from the weird outlier of Janusz. But yeah, seeing Sandro at the top of the technical again, it's interesting. He won the technical last week as well. And I think he's, for somebody who paints himself as being a little bit clueless, he seems to be doing rather well in the technicals, doesn't he? I think maybe he doesn't overthink it and just gets on with it. But he's he's been... I, I hadn't expected him to do as well in the technicals as he has done. So, um, yeah, that's maybe something to be looking out for. Maybe we should start taking Sandro serious as a potential finalist.
4: Well, I did right from the start. I'd just like to point out that I did right from the start. Hasn't he down there as my winner? I think. Could it be two years running that um, I choose the winner? Oh, did you say that? Uh, I did, I did, do, did you choose Sandro? I did choose oh. Sandro. I did choose Sandro. I'd just like to point out again. Um, but I think maybe he's got just some, if he hasn't, if he's got a gap in his knowledge, he's got really good baking instincts. Uh, and I think that really helps in technicals if you're challenging some, maybe if a challenge is something that you're not familiar with. And I think he did, He did pretty well. You know, I I love him. Bless him. Will he ever get a handshake, though? I think it's quite funny now. I think he said, I I don't even know that I want one now. (laughs) Don't want a handshake now. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You don't tend
3: to get handshakes late in the competition. It doesn't tend to happen. And I think did you get one, Jane? You got one late in the competition.
4: I wasn't going to mention it, Dan, but she brought it up.
3: <laughs> All right, show off. But yeah, in in the early weeks, I feel like you have sort of a bit more time to prepare. So we see less as the series go on. But poor old Sandro, he's um he's got an adoring public, and I think that's worth more than a Hollywood handshake. Dare I say it?
4: I did. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, it is. Yes you just said it and it's true that you know handshakes not everything.
0: So heading into the showstopper we had Maxi in fifth position with her stodgy too much pastry spring rolls. Maxi possibly in the danger zone there. Could be anybody else in the danger zone and anybody else for star baker.
4: Mm. Just saying one more thing about that one more thing about that the problem with chibieras which looked pretty good. Um, She had so many in the pan. She was cooking them all at the same time. And for anybody listening that fancies making them, for goodness sake, only fry them two or three at a time. Because what you do by putting them all in the pan is you're reducing the heat of that oil and things just won't cook. So just batch fry them and don't fry them all at once and that goes for anything you're frying donuts you know you know whatever samosas anything you're frying don't overcrowd the pan i think that's where Shabira fell down apart from a little bit too much water in their pastry
0: well let's take some questions from you guys thank you everybody who sent in some questions for us keep your questions coming in we'll start with a question from eddie in pennsylvania who says, how do you go through the process of creating a new recipe? Do you start with the flavours first or what type of sponge you want to make, etc? Also, what other things do you have to consider, like textures, if it's going to hold up after sitting around in the tent for a few hours during judging? Because the judges often tell bakers off if their bakes have gone soggy or if elements have leaked. Howard, how do you start? making a new recipe
5: to be honest I, I, I don't have a, a set way of doing things so I think sometimes when you are tasked with doing a recipe if somebody says we'd like a recipe for such and such a thing you think what have I done before that is similar to this and then you you, you know you have the basic components of that and then you want to add some innovation to it so you think about flavors and things that go with each other but sometimes i'll i'll start literally with a recipe that that i've done before and just tweak it a little bit other times i'm starting completely from scratch so you have to do some research on online look at what other people put into certain recipes uh, and take it from there really but in terms of the the second thing about about bakes that are hanging around just do take that into consideration i think obviously you know if things are leaking then that's a problem with the structure of it but if things have gone a little bit soft because they've been hanging around a while they sort of accept that really should do anyway
4: yeah i'm um, for me it's much the same as howard really and um, if you have to come up with a recipe for something specific and you're tight on time you do start from a a known and trusted recipe and then tweak it accordingly because you don't have much time and other times just inspiration strikes but there are classic combinations that come to mind what was it shabira did the other day or orange and truffle well that one never comes to mind but you know you you do know things that work together and white chocolate raspberry and pistachio for instance and work up from there. And as for sponge, it really does depend on what you're going for. Um, if you're stacking lots of things together and you don't want the sponge to overwhelm, put choose a, a nice Um or if you want a fab cake that you the cake is the hero then choose something like a victoria sponge as your base it really depends on what you're making i think whether it be cake or savory Uh, and there's so much inspiration out there if you're really stuck just start trawling through the internet and then use that as your starting point i mean there's very little that's original these days I would say, except for some of Shabira's bakes, which have been, yeah, yeah, oh no, they have been inspiring, haven't they? She has come up with some of the most amazing stuff. Which no, it wasn't meant to be mean; it was meant to be impressive. I, I think she's she's done she's she's truly inspired. A bit like Kim Joy was, you know. You're seeing things that you've never seen before from Shabira. And very few people are as innovative and original as Shabira, And most of us just start by borrowing an idea from somebody else and, and you, you know, building up into something that's your own. But, um, you know, I think you can always find something that looks very similar to what you've created and claim that um, you, you'd never seen it, but you probably have.
3: Yes, there is nothing new under the sun. I believe it was Chuck Berry who said that. So what I tend to do is make sort of essentially Frankenstein cakes, which is where I'll take sort of, you know, I particularly like this sponge. I like this flavour combination I've seen over here. I like this decorating technique I've seen over here. And I'll sort of borrow bits and pieces for things that I've seen that I've liked and kind of bring them all together. Every now and then I do have sort of what I might consider to be a brand new idea that um, someone uh, I haven't seen somewhere else before really has come from my own head. But to be honest, that's quite rare. It's usually me taking inspiration from... Other things that I've seen and if anyone has been to my classes they will know that most of the inspiration I take is from very traditional things I really enjoy quite traditional techniques and flavors I feel like some things have already been worked out and don't need to be improved upon so um, kind of like uh, Jane Howard said it's it's you know it's pulling on things that already exist and just giving it a little bit of your own twist. And trying to find something a little bit different and interesting. But ultimately, when I make a recipe, I'm baking for myself. I'm just baking, you know, you you can't please everybody. Um, So why not please yourself? Why not make something that's really delicious that you want to eat? And that's, that's how I build a recipe. I make something that I think is the most delicious. And fortunately, it seems like other people's taste doesn't differ too much from my own.
0: Well, thank you, guys, and thank you, Eddie, for that question. And we have another question from Matt in London, and Matt would like to know, do you ever find it hard having a career that revolves around food? Are there ever days where you just can't face the kitchen and want somebody else to cook? Howard, why don't you start us off with that one?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Howard's nodding.
5: (laughs) of course I, I i think i think sometimes you uh, well quite often i will feel really really in the mood for doing something i can i can find cooking quite relaxing Um there are other times when you're up against the wire uh trying to come up with a recipe and you know that you've got to get this done you've got to get some photographs uh taken, the lights going and you just think, i can't be bothered to cook after this you know after i've been working on this recipe let's get a takeaway So, yeah, absolutely, there are times, definitely.
3: (laughs) Oh, God, yeah. So we teach, uh, Jane Howard and I teach a lot of classes as well, and um, this puts our kitchens out of action, and it's often in the evening, isn't it? So uh, I've I've got two small kids, so there's uh, quite a few takeaways up here in my house, because I sit down at the uh, the end of two and a half hours of baking and uh, try my my hardest to be a little bit charming and I'm exhausted. So yeah, I think, Oh no, we'll just get some pizza or something. It'll be fine. Uh, but yeah, no, actually as how I was talking, it was like reading somebody reading back my life story. It's exactly like that. You're trying to get a picture taken, the lights fading, especially in winter. It's so hard to take a picture of anything, isn't it? It's a nightmare without natural light. You just can't get anything. It doesn't always fill me with joy every second of the day, but I'll tell you, I'm really glad that I have that actually, this is part of my life because I used to be sat in an office just typing things into a computer. And I do have to say, despite the fact that, you know, every job, some you don't always feel enchanted with it at every moment, I'd infinitely rather be doing this than uh, sat at a computer hammering at a keyboard all day. So uh, you got to count your blessings, I think.
4: Oh, absolutely. Um, what do I tend to do at the weekends if I'm teaching? Is because usually we're packing up. I, I don't do the late ones because I fall asleep if it's an eight o'clock start. Um, I I prepare something ahead of time, so it's just a matter of them warming it through when it come after we've cleared away and loaded the dishwasher and handed the bakes to the neighbors and things like that. So I'll make a lasagna or a chili or or something that we can just heat up on the day. Uh, you know, as soon as the uh, as soon as everything's cleared away and the cameras have gone down so but I do like a pizza good dominoes I think we've talked about dominoes before and everybody (laughs) (laughs) everybody goes oh my god not a dreadful dominoes I love dominoes Um, but try and restrict that to only once a month otherwise my otherwise my trousers won't fit
0: well thank you very much Matt and Eddie for your questions keep your questions coming in guys you can send them to us at thebakedown at bakewithelegend.com or you can send them to us on social media we are at bakewithalegend on all platforms Right, are we ready, guys? We're going to move on to that. We're groaning already. Ah. We're moving on to the showstopper. We have alluded to the fact that we do have some strong opinions on this, so we'll keep it as light as possible. But let's move on to our showstopper. The judges wanted a 3D storybook pie scene inspired by a childhood story or nursery rhyme. The pies could be sweet or savoury, and they wanted eight pies in total. Um, the bakers were given four hours for this challenge and we had some very interesting results So Howard, I'm going to start with you because I know Jane and Dan are the, are the two louder ones in this in this yeah. podcast so I would get your get your things in now before Jane and dad go, on
4: <laughs> go off on one Why go off on one what do you mean go off on one how dare
5: you well can I just say as as a challenge I thought it was quite a nice challenge so that's that's the positive thing I think it's one that I would have quite enjoyed doing uh, I think it's doable because you are basically looking at it's not just one big pie or anything like that it's not stacked pies it's just uh around about eight pies, I think they said was the minimum, although some people did go for uh, for more than eight pies. And you need to arrange those in some form of of scene. Actually quite a manageable uh task. Uh I think there's some issues is about what pastry you choose. I think we've we've already touched upon the fact that perhaps pastry has not been the strong point for certain uh well, actually, I think they said In the end, three out of five bakers didn't really deliver on the pastry, did they? So, uh, but yeah, nice challenge, perhaps not the best results.
3: Well, as my mother always used to say to me, Howard, if you haven't got anything nice to say, don't say anything
4: at all. So let me just say this. (laughs) You didn't take any notice of your mother ever.
0: Thank you, man. (laughs) (laughs) Right, thank you, Dan. Uh, let's move on to Jane. <laughs> Dan, what did you think? Did did anybody's in all seriousness? Did anybody stand out for you as having good good fillings, good pastry? I know we didn't get a lot of information about people's pastry, people's fillings. This is from the narrators, you know, from the from the editor of the show as well as the individual bakers. We didn't get too much information, but is there anything that looked good or inventive to you in this challenge?
3: So, I think a few of them st- stuck out to me, actually, in terms of the concept. So, I thought Abdul's actually sounded great. It was this sort of Treasure Island scene. I liked the concept of it. I also love the fact that there were a mixture of uh, savoury and sweet flavours. I thought that was actually quite a nice idea. That wouldn't... I mean, maybe that was in the brief, actually. I don't remember. But that wasn't something that would have occurred to me. Shabira's flavours uh, sounded lovely. Um, She said, I'm using a Malaysian pastry... But then I don't think she ever touched on what it was. So I don't know what what was the Malaysian part. Maybe
4: it was um, seasoned in some way or I don't don't know. She used a hot oil pastry, a hot oil pastry, which I assume is a bit like our hot water crust. But you added hot oil to it. I haven't had a chance to look that up, but I've never used a hot oil pastry.
3: No, I've never either. Um, okay, well that that might be why. The only quarrel they had with hers was that it was a little bit dry. So I think Shabira actually did a great job. I think she got herself a bit too wound up about not getting two bits on her pastry on her uh, beanstalk. But other than that, I thought it was thought it was great. Yeah, and Maxie's just sounded doomed from the start, bless her, didn't it? Um, as soon as she said, I'm making my own phyllo pastry, I just thought, oh, God, love, why? Why are you doing that to yourself? You know, I, I obviously have a bit of insider experience at having picked the wrong pastry to make uh, for my showstopper. And I knew that that was the, exactly the kind of thing that could, could catch someone out. And, you know, I tried to make full puff when I should have just made rough puff. And as soon as she said she was making phyllo, I thought, oh, honey... This is, you're already struggling at the bottom of the pack. This is not going to end well. Poor old Maxie. Goodness me.
0: Indeed. It was very ambitious to make phyllo at this stage. I believe, I can't remember which judge said it, but somebody said the globe has lost its way and the phyllo definitely needed cooking for longer Going back to Shabira's hot oil pastry, um, Paul had some good comments about that, saying it's clever using this pastry because it's bulletproof. But then they did go on to say it was flaky and buttery. So whatever pastry she used was clearly very good. Pastry seemed to be something that people were really falling down on. Sandro's were tough as old boots, which is really sad for poor Sandra there. Again, I think Abdul's were a bit rough and ready and Janusz had rather big gaps between his filling and his pastry as well. So, Howard, anything that stood out well for you in this challenge? I think Abdul,
5: um, yeah, although it was a bit rough and ready, uh, certainly I think the um, pastry on one of his, at least, was was described as nice and short. And Paul said, overall, a good job. Surprisingly, how simple this is. So I think some people went for um, style over substance, and uh, Abdul, I think, with he and Shabira, were the only ones who probably got close to kind of nailing the pastry. But maybe neither of them had the the kind of wow factor that they were they were hoping for. There was a little bit too much use of, of kind of black food colouring as well to enhance enhance things rather like than burning. getting the, the kind of decoration in pastry rather than kind of applying colour on top, I think.
4: Yeah, one of my comments is yuck. So much painted-on colour. Uh, yes, it didn't look very appetising, did it? I didn't think. And Yanushi's blue fish. You could have done that so much more effectively by putting on little circles of pastry to look like scales. You know, that's it, you. You can make a fish very easily out of pastry without adding any colour. Yeah, it was a bit disappointing, wasn't it? Really,
3: I feel like this is a backhanded comment at me, Jane. So uh... why?
4: No, not at all. <laughs>
3: Jane, I'm sure, has watched my season multiple times at this point. Every week. Every week, Every every week, yeah. Um, I haven't watched it for a couple of years now, probably uh, for the best. And uh, I made a pastry fish in my season uh, that I served raw, just as a fun twist. And, (laughs) um, yeah, I spray painted it as well. And, uh, yeah, they absolutely hated it. Well, Paul said it was fun. It was kind of like an illusion pie. And I was like, that was very kind of him. Yeah, they absolutely ripped me to shreds for that and said it looked unpleasant. They didn't want to eat it. So I was sort of expecting Janusz to get some um, more negative feedback on that. I'm surprised that he didn't. But it did, again, this challenge, it was, he did do the sort of, well, was it a very hungry caterpillar or was it a sausage dog? What's going on?
4: Did that make any sense to anyone else? I thought the dog was quite nice, actually, on the outside. He looked jolly good, Nigel, wasn't he? He was his dog, Nigel. I thought it it looked very cool, actually. Um, But the trouble was when you do put sausage meat into a pie or, you know, whatever you're going to make for your pork pie type thing, it does shrink. And as Paul said, normally we'll fill with gelatin. Well, you you don't have time to do that in a four-hour challenge. uh yeah, I don't know whether it was a sausage dog or a caterpillar or what it was. I don't think any of the stories were particularly clear. They didn't come across very in a clear way to me. I, it, I don't know whether that was just me being miserable, but uh, apart from that very, very hungry caterpillar of Sandro's, I wouldn't have known what was what. It could have been the Gruffalo or the famous five go to... The seaside or something for me.
0: I definitely thought Abdul deserved a little more praise from Paul. I thought Rough and Ready was a bit unfair. I think it looked really pretty. It was really obvious what it was. Um, And they said his aubergine curry pie was was lovely he made good short crust pastries it held together really well and i think i think abdul abdul gets my handshake it means nothing and it's not even a real handshake but he gets a handshake from me
4: i agree and actually at least he knew what pastry he was using he knew yes. <laughs> i'm going to be the first one to get in with this <laughs> sorry guys snooze you lose um when i loved it when paul asked Sandro what pastry he was Using and he looked at him, and and he sort of was like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> well, what's in it? You know. Well, it's flour and salt and water, uh, and, and maybe some butter. You know. Well, it's pastry dough. And I, I said that to my husband, and <laughs> he went, "Well, pastry dough. Of course, that makes sense." He said, "How many different types of pastries there are?" Well, he got a bit bored with me then, reeling off the different types <laughs> of pastries there were that would have enlightened everybody a little more. So I just again, rabbit in the headlights. He's so good in front of the camera, Sandro. Surely he knew what pastry he was using, which one assumes was a short crust. But I don't know. Oh, dear, it made me laugh so much.
0: Absolutely. Um, Sandro also possibly doing a little more than expected. He has done this in the past. He decided to do 16 pies when the brief was only eight. Unfortunately, we didn't hear a lot about people's fillings. Maxi's star pie, again, I don't know what the fillings were, but her comments were it needed something to go with
4: it because it's turned into a pate. It was a spicy chicken one, her mum or grandma's recipe, I think, for spicy chicken. I think it had potatoes in it and possibly all the potatoes or down too much, maybe.
5: Next week will be better. That's what we have to hope. <laughs> well, <it's>
4: just, <laughs> what would you guys have used pastry-wise for this challenge?
5: I think they got time to do a couple, so I would have done a hot water crust, I think, and possibly a, a sweet short crust. But
4: I think
3: you know, having been having lived through a pastry week myself, I would have either made short crust, stuck with a short crust, you know, sweet or savoury. Uh, and then maybe done a rough puff for some of the, you know, sort of, sort of a, a bit of a difference. Um, I've got a rough puff recipe that I just I do the whole thing in one go and then just chill it down, and it's got enough folds in it. it go simple. Um, You know, the short crust is structural um, to a to a, to a degree, and, yeah, as Howard said, hot water crust would be brilliant if you really need something to be very dirty. But this is the benefit of hindsight. We've all lived through this experience already, and people who haven't, they just they just make strange choices don't they
0: and so we move on to our star baker and our elimination we'll start with the positive and go to star baker which this week was shabira 3 weeks in a row she's on a roll here she's headed for the semi final she did really well with her fillings in her chicken rangdang jack and the beanstalk pies she did pretty well in this signature, having a delicious filling, and she came fourth in the technical, but we'll just move over that as a bit of a blip. Howard, do we think Shabira is en route to be in the final?
5: Oh, I think so, yeah. I think Shabira is combining a number of things. So I think she's got basic skills, which are really, really quite strong. And she's also bringing creativity in terms of, of her approach to the competition. So she's doing well with with flavours, sometimes a little bit out there. But you've got, to, you've got to try certain things, haven't you? So, yeah, I, I think well-deserved and probably the only candidate this week, actually.
0: Maybe so. And with Starbaker, of course, we do have to lose somebody. And this week, unfortunately, it was poor Maxie. She came last in the technical. She did not have very appealing volvant in the signature and her globe had definitely lost its way in the showstopper. Jane, do we think it's really sad to say goodbye to Maxi? She's done so well. She's had handshakes. She's been star
4: baker. I think it's sad to lose anybody at the stage during the competition. I said it last week, you know, we we get to know them pretty well by the time they've got to week 8 and maxie is lovely as as are all of them um but she didn't have a good week did she she tripped up on virtually every challenge and i I feel it was her time to go, as sad as it was. I, I, I At one point, a couple of weeks ago, I thought she could actually make it to the final, but not. But going out in the quarterfinals is not the end, as we've seen from so many other bakers over the years. You know, we we will see her again, I'm sure. She's lovely in front of the camera. She just seems gorgeous, and her bakes can be really, really good. So I don't think it's the last we've seen of Maxie, but certainly is in this competition, and I'm very sorry to see her go.
0: Absolutely. A very sad thing indeed, Paul Maxie. But there we go. We have our four semi-finalists and we are two weeks of finishing, which is very sad. This has gone past so quickly. Thank you, Jane, Dan and Howard, for joining me this week on The Bakedown Podcast. And for all our listeners, we hope to see you at one of our Bake With A Legend classes very soon. Don't forget, we also have voucher packages if you fancy a class, but you don't know which one to book you can order one two or three individual or household vouchers they are perfect to give as christmas presents or just for yourself if you're fancying some new classes so head over to bakewithalegend.com and check out all our upcoming classes and once again don't forget to use the code podcast for 10% off your next booking dan jane and howard thank you very much and we will see everybody next week